0: We oh, the coin boys, your average, everyday crypto bros. That's right. It's Andy, aka Producer By The Way, or Producer Btw on Twitter. And sitting right across from me is my partner in crime, Daniel Gutierrez. What's up, everybody? At DGutierrez84,
1: if you care to follow me on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram, but I will say, if you yeah. see something funny... On Instagram, of late, it's probably not mine, in all likelihood. It's something that I found on Reddit that I just wanted
0: to share with people. There, there you go. So there you go. I don't want to take credit for any of those, because those have been doing pretty well, <laughs> but it's not me. Well, uh, before we jump into the, the show, which I'm excited to throw to, I just want to, at the top, thank any new fans or old fans alike. Please help us by rating or reviewing across our media platforms. You can start by the coinboys.com. There's buttons for SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. We appreciate any reviews you can leave us on iTunes if you happen to be an iPhone user. Or on, on if you're an Android user, check out SoundCloud or Google Play. Uh, you're, you have an ability to review, like, comment on the episode. Please tell us what you think. Uh, we really appreciate all the new people that have come aboard and joined us on this journey. And this is a great episode, Daniel, because it's a returning guest with Theta Token and Sliver.TV. It's Wes Levitt. And he... Happened to talk to us about this project almost nine months ago on this show. Yeah, and we've this gives you an opportunity to see where a project started, and where it's growing. And on the description below, I have a link to the first episode if you'd like to start there.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, once again, it's kind of he was one of our first guests. Period. He was basically our first guest that we interviewed. It's cool to come back at him knowing what we know now. Because I feel we were able, we were able to get a little bit more in depth in certain things, and hopefully, still not too much. We still want to be your average everyday crypto bros, but we don't want. Um, but we can step into it a little bit more now. I feel, I feel it's okay if you've been with us from the beginning. You you can come. You can you know as much as we do now. Yeah. Um. But the one thing I do want to say is, if you're here from from uh, Theta, uh, first off, welcome. Thank you so much for giving us a shot, and. While we love the project, it's not going to be the only project out out there in any blockchain space. So um, take a look. Listen to other things. I always say don't be too much of a fanboy. Be a fanboy. But don't be too much because um, you you may miss out on another project that has nothing to do with the project that you already love. Mm -hmm. So keep on listening, guys.
0: Yeah, keep on listening. And we do have a portfolio of shows and episodes with other projects. We're very gaming-centric. But that leaves us to why we had them on the show in the first place. We believed in an early time that gaming and cryptocurrency had sort of a marriage. And, uh, you know, having Wes on in those early days was awesome perspective. And now I'm going to throw right to it, Daniel. Here is Wes Levitt back on the Coinboys podcast.
2: We launched the Theta testnet in June of this year. So the last uh, call it four or five months, we've just been focused on onboarding some of our partners onto our testnet. Um getting our early results and optimizing our streaming protocol and pushing toward March when we'll be launching the Theta mainnet. We released all of the source code for the mainnet to GitHub about a month ago, um, and we've, we've uh, pushed that to our test net, but the actual live launch will happen in March just because there's a lot that goes along with that, moving all the, the ERC20 tokens onto the Theta mainnet, um, making sure our partners like Samsung and NBN, and, um, and Sliver TV itself are ready to actually be pushed to production. So taking our time on that, making sure that the launch goes as smoothly as possible. Um, don't want to recreate some of the um, maybe false starts of some of the main net launches that have happened in the past. So taking a kind of a cautious note on that.
0: Yeah, I think we're, we're in an interesting perspective now because Wes, when we talked to you back almost a year ago, it was you know it gets longer longer and longer every time well you know less than a year just almost (laughs) i want to say we're about to hit our anniversary for our year app so that's big for us so where's the space change for you guys as you're developing because back then it was so different and now it's you know the market's in a bear market where you guys at Mm -hmm. how has it affected you
2: yeah it's Kind of interesting. I mean, fundamentally, because of where our entry point is, uh, we're we're developing video infrastructure, really. Um, We're developing a protocol that that video platforms can integrate on their back end, similar to the way they do uh, Akamai or another content delivery network right now. So fundamentally, whether it's a crypto bear market, crypto bull market, and everyone's excited about it, it doesn't change that much day-to-day for us. You know, if we're talking to an executive of one of these video platforms about uh, the potential benefits of adding data or something, it's typically someone who couldn't tell you the price of Bitcoin to save their life. So, (laughs) you know, we kind of just keep plugging along and and building something that we think will be beneficial to these video platforms. Um, There's a lot of noise, of course, um, when you see the headlines of, of, you know, crypto prices at a 12-month or low or something like that. But, you know, day-to-day, we just keep, doing our job, and, and building the protocol.
0: That's and, really cool. Yeah, and have you guys grown as a company? Have Since the last time we talked to you, do you have more employees? Actually, that's when you
1: guys announced that you guys uh, partnered up with Samsung.
2: Yeah, for- I was, yeah, was Samsung, exactly. The one where we've been developing a really strong relationship, both with their, their teams here in, in Dallas, like Samsung VR, and then also increasingly their teams out in Seoul, where we've spent a bunch of time. Um, so... Yeah, that's Samsung VR. I think we announced that in March. The testnet and the test channel with them finally went live in August. Um, they've been kind of one of our key first test cases and, and one we've been using as a, as an example as we speak to a lot of different Samsung groups about how we can benefit the different business groups that, that interact with video.
1: So can you explain a little bit how it does benefit somebody like Samsung to work with you guys? Because as far as I remember from what I had understood, it was a lot like um, a streaming service that allowed you to to do transactions through the streaming service tips and things like that. So how, how was Samsung mm-hmm. trying to bring it in?
2: Yeah, so, so just to use a Samsung VR example. So, um, you know, our initial uh, uh, focus point was on creating a, a peer-to-peer content delivery network because we were trying to solve a problem that Sliver the TV had essentially. As a, as a startup, we are spending, you know, 40% of our expenses going to, to bandwidth costs for streaming so much video. And um, we said, think if there's a way to offload that to a peer to peer network, then the business can benefit from uh, saving on their expenses there. And the users can earn token rewards as a way of incentivizing them to share video amongst themselves. So think of it as kind of like a BitTorrent peer to peer model, except, is actually a strong incentive for users to to make a really robust peer-to-peer network because they're getting something out of it too. Um, and so that is our initial uh, pitch to like a Samsung VR group, and that is interesting to them. Um, but what we found over the course of, since the last time we talked to you guys, is what gets video platforms a lot more excited is the idea of what happens once you uh, start giving users these token rewards. because then you can start creating entirely new business models based on uh like say with samsung vr if they offer premium content and users share it on the save network between themselves and earn data tokens um samsung can offer a way for them to spend it right back on the platform like and you know it can be a seamless thing uh very easy They wouldn't even have to um be managing private keys like say you've been watching four hours on samsung vr you've earned this many tokens And it can just be a pop-up that says, would you like to now purchase this piece of premium content on Samsung VR? So from Samsung's perspective, they're thinking, this is a way to get users more engaged. This is a way to drive incremental revenues when they're spending that back on the platform. And that's really where we found this, uh, I think, where data will be a game changer here, is where you can change the business models as a whole.
1: Now, was the initial concept when when data was launching, was it, Intentional were you guys intending to go to VR the entire time, or was it just so happened you discovered it worked really well?
2: Oh no, no, it's, it doesn't need to be specific to VR content. At well, in fact, like our um, our another partner we have in Korea, we, which we have a live test channel with MBN. Uh, it's a twenty four hour news channel, kind of akin to like a a, a Bloomberg News. Yes. Um, it just so happens that we had relationship with Samsung VR from from Silver TV days when we were um, running live esports. uh uh, events with samsung vr so that was a a natural first entry point um but no it doesn't doesn't necessarily need to be vr content um any any type of video content is is worse on the
1: Well, what i more meant was because i know you do have the streaming content definitely that was but was vr always an intention to get into as well or was that just a accidental find
2: yeah i wouldn't say it's entirely accidental because um once you know, VR content is still in early days, but once it becomes much more common, you're going to have uh, a lot more data being pushed through on the existing content delivery networks. And so, to the extent that uh, you, you can reduce bandwidth costs, like in our case uh, with VR content when we were originally pushing on Silver TV, that becomes much more important if you're Pushing content like VR, 10x as much data. You know, it's not exactly one to one, but it's significantly more expensive than pushing a 1080p stream through to you know thousands or, or millions of users. So uh, to the extent that data can help mitigate those costs, it becomes much more valuable as VR content becomes more popular. See, eventually, on the long-term roadmap, this um, you know there's nothing about our protocol that doesn't that would preclude it from streaming any type of data. So you can be thinking patch updates, like a, a Fortnite patch goes out to hundred million users that can all be shared amongst itself on a peer to peer network as well as if, instead of hundred million people all pulling it from one source. Um, we just picked video as the, the first use case and the first entry point, since that's the team's background. And since you know, video is call it 80% of, of traffic right now by data, um, but yeah, you know, it, it can certainly be generalized to, to any type of content being pushed through CDNs.
0: What is the biggest game right now on sliver.tv? I would say the
2: last uh, three, four months or so, it's been Fortnite. That's been the largest game for us. But in the last couple of weeks, we launched a, a new channel with ring of Elysium, which is Tencent games, new, uh, battle royal style game. And so uh-huh. Uh, We've been doing a lot of promotional work on that and featuring that and actually have some um, in-game skins that Tencent made exclusive for Sliver TV. So uh, because of those being rare items and things like that, we're we're seeing a lot of attention on the Ring of Elysium channel.
1: Wow. Tencent's huge. That's like all of China Uh, and majority of Asia. Yeah, I
2: mean, mean, it's it's, uh, the largest game company in the world no question about it. Um, Dominates Mobile, I think they own 100% of RAG games, uh, a significant chunk of Epic games. They are about as big as it gets when it comes to gaming today.
1: Back When you signed up with Samsung back in February, or back in March, uh, what happened after mm-hmm. that When What was the next steps that you guys went through?
2: Yeah, so since Samsung VR was the first um, text channel integration we did with the third party, um, there was a lot of development that went into that uh, essentially learning how to integrate data with a uh, outside group for the first time. That was a pretty lengthy process, but it was great because we learned a lot working with their team out of Dallas. And, um, you know, once we actually got uh, data integrated with the Samsung VR player and understood the the pitfalls of, of that, then we've actually got it down to a, a pretty smooth process to the point where, for example, the second third party integration we did with MBN was a matter of, you know two three weeks and uh, we've since released some uh, SDK for web integration and some guides on doing so so you know we can pretty much get this down to a, a pretty quick integration process for video platforms going forward which is important because you know it's not scalable if it took us the time it took for Samsung VR each time but now that we're kind of understanding how to make Data more plug and play for different video platforms. We think that'll make it much easier to, to onboard new partners going forward.
0: How did you see the community? How's it grown? How's that side of things grown?
2: Community side, uh, I guess you kind of got to separate it into uh, the people that are very interested in data as a technology and, and some that are even helping us on the development side and just the, the, the crypto folks um, who are, I should I say this lightly, uh, in it it for, uh, investment purposes. Um, so on on the second one, you know, not much needs to be said there. We all know how the space has changed in the last nine months. And of course, as, as you're deep into a bear market, those people kind of fall away, but the actual core community, uh, that are really interested in contributing, uh, like you said, that's just grown and grown, um, to the point where we have several folks that, um, you know, they're in contact with our, Jay and our engineering team, and they're trading back thoughts on um, the source code we released to GitHub, and, and talking about ways to improve design and that kind of thing. So, lots of great enthusiasm from some a, a really great group of folks um, on that side of things.
0: And is Kyle Kyle still is heavily involved in the Sliver side of things? He's like your the main community kind of marketing manager in that side of things, correct?
2: Yeah, that's right. Kyle Lefty our head of business development on the Sliver side, um, and yeah, he's he was instrumental in in um, building the Tencent relationship, and actually had some um, some more things in the work on that side, how to deepen that relationship, which hopefully we'll have for you guys early in the next year. Um, and yeah, on the on the esports side of the things, um, he's constantly driving new brands to Sliver, and and also you know using it as a way to introduce them to to Theta and and the blockchain reward they can get in particular, like 10 cents, a great example. They initially were excited to work with sliver because they see a highly engaged esports fan base and they want to get them excited about ring of Elysium. Um, But along the way, once we explain to them the use case, you're using theta and how that can be just one more thing to, to turbocharge the engagement of your users and get them thinking about how they can spend tokens back in ring of Elysium and then, you know, create this, Virtuous cycle of engagement, then they start to get it, and so you know we we see the, the engagement on the esports side and the data side as you know these can these can work together.
0: I played a lot of Fortnite, Wes, uh, over the last year. I, not as much anymore, but um, I had to move away from Fortnite. So I am actually excited to to check this game out, and it's even cooler that you guys are working with a company like they like them because I'm a big gamer. I know exactly who they are. And I think that's great. Besides mm-hmm. just Samsung, you guys are growing. And that's what you know. we're able to do in this podcast is is bring projects that we've had in the early days. And to see you guys reaching your goals is a really cool thing to see. Yeah,
1: and we've been really lucky with the people that we've had on have yeah, just yeah. grown so much. Um, is there anything that surprised you?
2: Yeah, I guess just generally speaking, um, you know, because Samsung was an early investor in Sliver and, and we were building with them we leveraged that relationship a lot and have spent uh, a good amount of time in Korea and four or five trips over there this year, uh, getting to know the Samsung group and through that relationship, some other teams at CJ and NBN. And what really surprised me was just the contrast between the reception we received um, in Korea from a business perspective and, and that in the U S you know, there's a lot of U S companies that, meeting with and they're interested in delving into blockchain, but they're still a little unsure and um, taking kind of a cautious approach. Whereas in Korea, uh, you know, it it seems like most of the large uh, telecoms, media organizations, they've had mandates from the top that said this is new technology. We don't want to get left behind. We want to be involved as as early as we can as possible. So they're just much more willing to experiment and to try out new technology and new business models related to blockchain, whereas I think in the U.S., competition is still taking a much more cautious approach, at least in the media space where we play in.
0: You told me back in those days you were not a big gamer. Do you feel like you have a better perspective in the gaming mm-hmm. industry as well now, more than ever?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, because it's, we're so tightly integrated with Sliver with TV being essentially our sandbox for the first, um, for the first integration of Theta. You know, it's really important to understand that demographic and why that works so well with blockchain. I mean, obviously, then the obvious ways that uh, you know it tends to be younger, it tends to be more technologically inclined. Is why the there's a lot of overlap in those demographics. Um, so it, we think it's it's kind of tailor-made uh, to be the first use case for blockchain rewards and maybe one that can be the first to see mass adoption. Um, more than that, though, I, I think there's a lot of other reasons why gaming, even outside of Theta specifically, is, is a really interesting uh, case for blockchain adoption. Yeah, I, I was on a panel with um, William Quigley a couple months ago at New York Media Fest, so I know you guys have, have <laughs> interviewed several times. Yeah, um, yeah he was on re- um, uh, recently. Yeah I, 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 yeah, yeah, I think just a couple weeks ago. And uh, yeah, I think it is with non-fungible tokens and being able to create in-game items that have... Uh, can be transferred between games and interoperable and, and live on beyond current games. I, I just think that's an enormous um, business possibility there, and I'm really excited to see how that one plays out. So, you know, for a variety of different reasons, I think gaming is is going to be kind of the center of the first real killer apps you see for blockchain.
1: What I what I really like that of the gaming centric companies that we've been involved with, everybody's doing something different, but they're all working towards like the same ultimate goal um but they all complement each other which i think is amazing that that there's no crossover that i can see so far um i'm waiting for that war to happen but mm-hmm. so far so good <laughs> in that in that aspect
2: <laughs> yeah yeah no we see those as an an engine and the other folks is uh, the, those are certainly uh, uh we can all we can all coexist in the ecosystem
1: yeah which is really cool uh now, how's the test net been so far? Has everything, I mean, obviously there's no, I don't like to ask timelines because in this space, you just don't know what's going to happen, but has everything kind of gone mm-hmm. according to your guys' plan or, or how's it been going so far?
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, the test net, obviously we've, uh, you know, the whole purpose of it is to work out the kinks, and so certainly there's lots of bug fixes to be done in it, but that's that's why it's the test net, not the main net. Um, but we've gotten lots of great data, Uh, by virtue of some of the users from Sliver and Samsung logging on, um, uh, at least 500,000 unique visits uh, to our test net, which the way we're counting that is someone who showed up on one of our test channels, shared bandwidth with another user, and then had a a token transaction where they earned for that. Um, So at at least 500,000 instances of that from unique visits. So, you know, lots of data points. And you know, and that's the test. Five hundred thousand is a test. I'm sorry. Uh,
1: five hundred thousand is a test. I feel like that's like what most people get in a main launch, <laughs> a lot of times.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, and I'm talking, you know, it, it's cumulative since yeah. we launched in June. Um, not five hundred thousand concurrent. Well, yeah, yet, no, I, but, uh, but just throughout the but time. yeah, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, it, it's been able to. We've been able to learn a lot about um, where we need to improve. Uh, scaling for concurrent users, we've been able to learn a lot about uh, exactly how streaming works between disparate groups. Like, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, I'm sitting, you know, in the apartment next to you, you know, it makes sense that it works on a peer to peer network, but um, you know, we've been able to stress the limits of exactly how far geographically can we push um, exactly how different can your ISP or your configuration be before streaming is no longer viable where there's too much latency. So, all kinds of things like that that you know we've been able to use to improve the efficiency of the protocol. That you know we're, we we want to make sure we figure out now while we're in testnet form. So by the time we move our partners over to the production mainnet, you know it's a just running as smoothly as possible.
0: Well, I was gonna ask, are you gonna be playing Ring of Elysium? Like, am I gonna be dropping down in that game, Wes?
2: <laughs> I was just curious. I I could I could start to, but I. <laughs> I, I'm like you, I was playing Fortnite until, you know, with Kyle from, no from Sliverside, until he was beating on me so bad, just intimidated me out of competition. So That's I'm, have to uh, I'm sure he's really good. On, yeah, I'm going to have to practice on Ring of Elysium under uh, a pseudonym until I get good enough that I can challenge.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty Kyle was a, a pro like a World of Warcraft player, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think it was that world Yeah, leader. that's
2: right. At one point, he—I uh, believe—he was the number one he, ranked player in the world for some period. Yeah, he was. Like um, huge. So his, his, <laughs> yeah, his his roots go way back, and this this was, I think, you know, early days of World of Warcraft. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he has some very deep roots in the esports space. He definitely has his credibility there.
0: <laughs> that's cool. Well, it's cool to hear that you've been playing some games too, and uh, everyone, a lot of people have played Fortnite. It's it's a very big game, but.
1: Yeah, well, I have a question. As somebody, I'm like you, I dabble in games, I'm in the space, especially because of Andy, but mm-hmm. as somebody who is a non-gamer, what should we be looking at or what has been kind of interesting towards you or for you as somebody who doesn't play games as much, but you're just discovering some things?
2: Yeah, I would say the the most interesting thing to me has been just how much the the experience of gaming has changed. It's not to say that You know, I I mostly was playing single-player games growing up like, you know, Half-Life or Deus Ex were like my big face back in the day. Um, And that's not to say big single-player campaigns don't exist anymore. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2, obviously, was just out and that was a a big deal. But uh, in general, it seems for most players, gaming has turned into a much more interactive thing. Um, Even multiplayer games along before it tended to be a more say like discrete experience whereas now it's this entire community that you're a part of where you have a public persona and where you're following your favorite stars. And so it's just become a much more interactive community oriented an experience, um, which is cool in general, but, you know, also I think makes the case much more for, uh, some like sliver TV and, and, and Theta where the entire focus is with sharing with users and, and, and becoming part of that community. So it, our, our youth kids probably wouldn't have made as much sense 10 years ago when gaming didn't look like this um, but we're moving in the same direction
0: That's really cool yeah
1: I will say I will say that now I'm watching little kids like um, I have nephews and nieces that are eight and nine who are not watching football and baseball like I did when I was a kid um, they're watching <laughs> these like people like ninja people like yeah. uh, all these other kids they're just playing video games are like I want to be like that guy I want to be like that guy.
0: Those are their. Those are the superstars right now. Like ninjas, a celebrity for gamers. He's the LeBron James of streaming right now. I, I'm going to be honest and and yeah. say that. Uh, you got a guy making yeah. in between twelve to maybe fifteen million a month on his own accord using Twitch and his own sponsorship. He's breaking through the mainstream, and that's helping everybody. Whether it's you guys over at Theta, uh, me as a gamer with new games and just. It's a, it's a good industry to be attached to, especially in crypto. So I think you guys are on the right path with an industry going in the in a like a, you know a, a full like sprint upwards uh, right now. So it's exciting. Yeah, in my
1: opinion too. Yeah, you guys, I feel you guys are going much faster than any other industry that I can think of in terms of progress.
2: You know, it's kind of happening right before us, and then we're even starting to see that on Silverside. Um, it's- far as some of the brands that want to get involved because you know a year and a half ago it was all gaming focused brands very uh specific to this esports niche of the user base whereas now we're starting to see even more mainstream brands that want to have a branded channel on some tv and give out their um give out their items as, as you know rewards for the different contests we have going on here and i think it's because they're starting to realize it's not just some tiny slice of, of users that's, that's, you know, not, not interesting to advertise to. I think they realize it's growing. It's the right demographic, you know, young, uh, you know, 15 to 35 demographic that advertisers love to get in front of. And I think they're starting to look at this as a legitimate um, niche to, to be marketing to, you know, like it's not, it's not like, like the same way that NFL is something that it's a mainstream to advertise on. And, you know, it's, I think esports is kind of moving in that direction. Is there? I hope
1: so. Is there a name that you could drop on the brands, out of curiosity? I'm just kind of curious. What is there a brand that you don't normally associate with this that kind of wants to get in the face of your audience?
2: Yeah, I mean, one that just went live a week ago is Movement Watches, which is um, it's kind of a it was a startup watch and and like eyeglass company founded out of L.A. that Movado just bought uh, a couple years ago. Uh, really great story for these guys. I think they uh, started it uh, themselves. I don't even think they took any real outside funding and sold it to Movado a couple months ago for a hundred million dollars um, just because on word of mouth and and you know social media advertising, they really built up a big brand. Um, and that that's something that I would not you know they're not esports related at all, but uh, they are actually doing a promotion with us right now where they're um, they're giving away uh, a lot of their watches and their um, their custom eyeglasses on on Silver TV right now, and I think it's just the appeal of the demographic of the uh, of esports. You know, they, it doesn't have to be esports specific products anymore. They just they understand it's a valuable uh, audience that we have here and and esports in general, and they want to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, it was great to have him back, man. Uh, really great person to know in the space, and it really. You know, I like it because we're keeping in touch with these projects. It's not like we're interviewing these projects and running away. I'm keeping these relationships open. And Wes is actually a person from the early days of the podcast that came on, and we like the project. We wanted to be gaming centric because they got Sliver.TV. You know, they're dealing with things in Fortnite and and all kinds of awesome games. And that and their game that they're they're sponsored with. Uh, I'm of, excited for that. Yeah, I want to see them succeed. Here's a good example of us really getting into this project when they started and hearing where they are now. I feel confident in them. I feel like they're going places and I'm going to keep watch and we're going to keep following Theta. theta.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, It was really cool, as always, to speak with him. I hope we get to speak with him again. Hopefully the next time, not as experimental, but it'll be fun. Uh, uh, But thank you so much again, Wes, for, for coming
0: out yeah and uh and again we will keep you updated on this project again on the description below is a link to our soundcloud of the original episode so check it out it would help you kind of understand it's kind of like the prequel yeah um and you know if you like star wars prequels oh God. i don't know if we never should never those no just kidding uh, what other prequel can we say <laughs> i don't know well anyway thanks again everybody remember check out our 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 website at thecoinboys.com. coinboys.com please rate review subscribe smash that like button yeah i just say that because we make fun of it <laughs> Thanks again. I'm Andy. And I'm Daniel. Uh, We'll see you next time. Peace, guys. The Coin boys. Boys.